WHYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And coming up, we're going to talk about a big trade that went down in Major League Baseball this week. It did not involve the Phillies, but on Thursday, a huge trade that will affect both the American League and the National League. We'll talk a little bit about that. Some mixed messages on what Dave Dombrowski might do here over the next month in terms of adding a significant piece to the roster. Did we get the Philly City Connect jerseys to leak? I think we might have, and we'll talk about that a little bit coming up here in just a few minutes. And um, while we're still... uh Checking, waiting to see if the Phillies end up doing something. Uh, there is some movement on the hot stove. So we got we got some stuff to talk about here on this edition of Hit and Season. But uh, before we get started, uh, we let we were been talking about this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Of course, that uh, Hit and Season as well as the Dirty Inning had been had was a finalist for the uh, 2024 Best Baseball Podcast Awards, and the awards were announced here on Thursday. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we did not finish in first, second, or third place. And again, this is all by fan vote. Uh, they have a panel of experts that selected the 12 podcasts among all the submissions. And so we obviously made the finalist, uh, after going through, uh, the experts and the industry insiders and all that kind of stuff. And so that was an honor in and of itself to just be one of the finalists and to be up for this award. The actual winners of the award are ones who they're just strictly by fan vote and, and Liz and Justin and I, I'm sure they'll talk about it too. Uh, we might address it together on, on our Sunday night podcast edition, but, uh, I'd want to thank you guys for, for those of you who voted for Hit and Season uh, as the best baseball podcast for 2024. I really do appreciate that. Uh, if you were someone who thought about it and just didn't get around to doing it, you are to blame and you are out of the will. <laughs> I think that's... I think you would agree with me that that's only fair. Um, but um, I, I think one of the good things that we can all agree on is that John Heyman didn't win and Joel Sherman didn't win. We've been talking about that. We They weren't even among the top three. Uh, Locked on Angels got the bronze medal. They, they came in third place. So a team-specific podcast finished in third. How did we not beat Locked on Angels, guys? How, how did we? How did we not? How did we not finish that off? And then you had the Mets pod uh, came in second place. Now that was uh, an SNY TV podcast, so they had the power of SNY TV, and of course it's a New York Mets podcast. They have the New York metropolitan area going for them, so understandable why they got second place. And the top base, the best baseball podcast 2024, as voted on by the fans. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Um, which is one of the most listened to pod- baseball podcasts in the country. They do a daily show. He's on Dan Lebetard's show, uh, CBS Sports Headquarters. I mean, it's it's th- there's a lot of different places um, where that podcast uh, gets a, gets a lot of air. So just a, a huge audience uh, that was voting for them. Nothing we could do about that. So a little disappointing. We didn't even at least get third place. We could have. I feel like we should have beaten out Locked On Angels. I mean, it, how is there even an Angels fan base right now? <laughs> right now uh out there for them to to vote on the podcast but anyway it was fun just to kind of be in the mix fun to be nominated and it was fun to go through clips of the show and put them together to submit uh to the group and maybe we'll try it again next year and see if we can't do a little bit better all right uh anyway let's get on to the show here and a big trade in major league baseball went down on thursday corbin burns the milwaukee brewers 
ace right-hander, long a trade rumor guy throughout the course of this offseason. It was starting to look like he wasn't going to go anywhere, but now two weeks before pitchers and catchers report to spring training, we have this we have this mega trade. And honestly, we thought it was going to be more of a blockbuster. It didn't turn out to be that in terms of what in terms of what Baltimore had to give up. Um, Corbin Burns going to the Baltimore Orioles. It's a perfect move for the team that had the best record in the American League last year, but was bounced out of the playoffs in the divisional round. They had, didn't even win a playoff series. I don't think they won a playoff game last year. The thing that they most needed on that team was a true ace at the top of the rotation, and now they have that. And those guys are hard to come by, and they're they're they they have the best farm system in baseball, uh, they by a, by a large margin. But what they didn't have was a surefire ace, somebody who'd pitched in playoff games before. Now you have Corbin Burns leading a rotation uh, that also features up-and-comer Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, and John Means. That makes up a pretty good top four. This is not an Orioles podcast, so I'm not going to get into it a whole lot here. But the O's were already a 100-win team last year. They're now huge favorites to win the AL East over the Yankees, and they are the favorites to win the AL pennant again. It gives them more of a shot in a playoff series. Um, now, now, the Orioles didn't give up nothing, but they didn't sell the farm. They got to keep their top five prospects. Uh, they didn't have to give up anybody from any young player from their major league roster in, in order to get him. Um, Milwaukee receives infielder Joey Ortiz, uh, who is back. He's a bottom, kind of like a, a back of the top 100 type guy. Uh, left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall and the 34th pick in the 2024 draft. You can trade compensatory picks um, that were that were traded to you previously, and that's what that's what Baltimore did here in order to get him. That's not a big price to pay. I mean, there's, I guess for the Phillies, that would be akin to maybe moving Justin Crawford or Aiden Miller or something like that. And maybe that maybe that's too much for the Phillies at this point, because again, the Phillies do not have nearly the farm system or the prospects that the Orioles do. And again, this is. This is one of those situations where you could look at what the Phillies are doing and say, why, why wouldn't you match that? Why couldn't you match that? They probably they probably could have matched that. But again, the Phillies do not have as pressing a need for Cor- Corbin Burns as a team like the Orioles do. Like, it's just a perfect fit for the Orioles. It's a perfect match for them. And, you know, in return, uh, the, the, the Milwaukee Brewers get a couple of guys who are major league ready. Uh, Joey Ortiz and DL Hall, they're going to play for the Brewers all season. Uh, Ortiz is an infielder. You know, he's going to, he's going to, I don't think people believe he can stick at shortstop. That's where he's been playing, but he's most likely going to move to third base or second base. Um, this left-handed pitcher Hall, uh, has an interesting profile and they're under team control for the next six years. And that's something that means a lot to the Brewers. So I just feel like I, I was expecting more and, you would think that there are a lot of teams that could really use Corbin Burns that could have beaten that offer, even just if he's on a, on the line, even though he's on the last year of his contract, even though he's a rental, he's a pretty good rental, and he's a rental that for a contending team can rent you a World Series, like the Phillies. I'm just, it's, uh, I, I, if I don't know what was out there, I don't know what what the Brewers wanted from Philadelphia, or even if they had any any talks about Corbin Burns at all. I imagine Dave Dombrowski picked up the phone, but um, yeah, it's just kind of mystifying. These kinds of trades always mystify me. Whenever you see a trade and you're like, really, that's it? That's all? Why wasn't my team involved in this? Why couldn't my team have bettered that deal? 
there's usually a reason. Uh, we just kind of don't know what it is, but this feels like something that if the Phillies had wanted to pursue Corbin Burns and really have them competing with the Braves and the Dodgers in, in terms of total talent in the National League, they, they probably could have swung a deal of some kind that would have been better than what Baltimore gave up. I'm still not exactly sure what the Brewers are doing either here. Why, why are they punting on the 24th season? I know Brandon Woodruff is going to be out for the year uh, with a with an injury, Tommy John surgery, and Craig Council, their manager, left for the Chicago Cubs. But still, some talent on that team. I just, I guess, you lose Brandon Woodruff, and you think, okay, the, our strength was those top two starters. But you still have Freddie Peralta there. You could have had Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. You know, maybe you go out and you, you sign somebody in the offseason, uh, get a couple of bats, and and you can win that National League Central. I just, I don't know why the Brewers are seeming to concede. And poor Reese Hoskins, who just signed with them, he said he was only talking to contending teams. But it doesn't sound as though Milwaukee is going to be a contending team here in 2024, unless I'm surprised, unless there are some things that are going to happen that are that are surprising. But um, it's very possible you see Reese Hoskins changing teams during the course of the season. If I'm, if there's anybody on Milwaukee that interests you as a Major League Baseball team, my guess is they're getting phone calls today. Uh, from, and, you know, Devin Williams is a relief pitcher, maybe the best relief pitcher in the National League, maybe the best relief pitcher in baseball. Uh, would, the, would the Brewers listen on him? Probably not. But, you know, they just traded Josh Hader away uh, two years ago during the 22 season because they believe Devin Williams was the closer of the future. But if you're not going to be concentrating, focusing on winning a lot of games here in 2024, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just a gap year. But another National League team got weaker with this trade. That is good news for the Phillies. Again, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the Phillies didn't 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 match that offer or try to do a little bit better uh, than that than that deal that Baltimore sent over to Milwaukee. I really feel like the Phillies have enough pieces in place. They have enough guys. Um, who, where, where you could make a deal and it would make sense given what the Orioles gave up. But again, the Orioles guys are, are major league ready and the Phillies guys are not major league ready. Aiden Miller, Justin Crawford, the, the Brewers probably want somebody because they probably do believe that they can compete. They wanted major league ready talent and the Phillies just don't have that. They, they don't have that to offer, especially in terms of position players. So as you look at what, as I'm talking it through right now in my own head, the Phillies don't really have the major league ready talent to make an offer for somebody like Corbin Burns. Like if, if, if the the Brewers were willing to wait three or four years, then yes, maybe they would have been able to swing something here. But uh, anyway, big trade in Major League Baseball. It's always fun to talk about a big trade, a big name changing teams. Um, and the Orioles, of all teams, like two years ago, the laughing stock of baseball, now an American League powerhouse, making a big move the day after the Orioles announced that uh, the Angelos family was selling the team for over a billion dollars. Baltimore fans have, have to absolutely be going crazy. I know this is something that Justin and Liz are going to talk about on, on the uh, Friday edition of Hit and Season because Justin's family and him an Orioles fan as well. So uh, I'll, let, uh, I'll let him handle that. All right. Some conflicting things on uh, Philadelphia radio this week about Dave Dombrowski and what he might be doing here for the rest of the offseason. The Athletics' Jason Stark throwing some cold water on the hope that Dave Dombrowski still has a big move up his sleeve. On 97.5 The Fanatic this week, Stark said, between now and pitchers and catchers, they will add a minimum of three players, 
but it will most likely be players on minor league deals, so they have roster flexibility. Fans want Dave to make a big move, but it's not happening this offseason. That's according to Jason Stark. Now, that's in direct contrast to what Howard Eskin said on the WIP Morning Show this week. He was asked if Dave Dombrowski is done, and he said, no, absolutely, N-O, they are not done. They will get, I believe, another starter, and I think they will get another pitcher for the bullpen, and they need another bat. And he went on to say they wanted Corbin Burns from Milwaukee, but Milwaukee wants so much. Well, did they want so much? Eskin said, if they got him, they're right there with Atlanta. And then he said, Dave Dombrowski, I have confidence in him, real confidence that he is going to do something. Well, the Corbin Burns idea is out the window. Uh, They could trade for a relief pitcher like Emmanuel Classe, you know, of the Guardians. We've talked about him a lot. Um... You know, I don't know. It doesn't sound like the Pirates are ready to move any of their guys. Again, David Bednar has been a guy I've always wanted them to go after. Um, I know that uh, you know, there's um, – who was I just thinking about? And just flew, named flew right. I mean, Devin Williams. All right, we just talked about him from the Brewers um, as being a guy who, who they could potentially go after. Uh, if you're looking at a bat, I know Joe Giglio was talking a lot about Cody Bellinger today. And Cody Bellinger could be a possibility – if it's a like a one-year deal, if he's just still not finding the offers out there. But, man, I got to tell you, I don't think Cody Bellinger is going to have as good a season moving forward as he had in 2023. I think that was probably a career year. And if he was smart, he would take the best offer that he can find. Because I don't think the $200 million deal is out there. So do you sign a one-year deal with a team like the Phillies. I was going to say to reestablish your value, but the value was established last year. That's what he did last year. 2023, that season was about reestablishing the value. So I don't I don't know what the what the Cody Bellinger market is looking like right now. It it sounds it just feels like what Cody Bellinger wants is nowhere close to what teams are willing to offer and he's in no hurry to to accept something less. Now, there's a lot of Scott Boris clients who, that are still out there that are waiting for their payday, and, and we still have Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery uh, out on the free agent market. Uh, there's another guy on the free agent market, an outfielder, that I'm starting to talk myself into a little bit, and that's former Marlins slugger Jorge Soler. He was outstanding in 2023, and... Yes, the home runs are big. Thirty-four home run, uh, 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 big home. I think thirty-four home runs last year for Miami. Uh, but if you look at some of the Statcast numbers, they were all going in the right direction. Um, he went. He jumped from three hundred six plate appearances in twenty twenty two to five hundred eighty in twenty twenty three, and with an extra two hundred eighty plate appearances, he actually brought his strikeout rate down from twenty nine point four to 24.3. That's a decrease of 5%. Thomas Nastico from TJ Stats tweeted this out earlier this week, and uh, this is really good information, I thought. That's, I mean, 24.3% is still a high strikeout rate, but uh, certainly nowhere close to the the 30% that he was at, and really traditionally has been at throughout his career. His walk rate ticked up from 10.1% to 11.4%. That's a 1.3% increase. His barrel percentage went up by 2.8%, up to 15% last year. Uh, His weighted on base average, a big jump to 361. Uh, His expected weighted on base average, which again kind of accounts for some of the luck issues, went up just as much to 376 from 322 the year before. He made more contact on balls in the strike zone. He 
made about the same amount of took about the same amount of swings on pitches out of the strike zone. Again, not too bad. I mean, not not a tremendous improvement there, but uh, didn't wasn't swinging out of his shoes. Uh, his whiff rate was down from 31.5 to 27.6%. That's a decrease of nearly 4%. Uh, he lowered his ground ball rate by nearly 7%, 36.2% last year. His line drive went, went up, line drive rate went up 3%, and his fly ball rate went up 4%. So you have these, you you have these different numbers here that show Jorge Soler doing better with his batting eye, improving his his eye at the plate. Um while maintaining his power and increasing his power. He decreased his strikeout rate. He decreased his swing and miss rate. He increased his walk rate all while maintaining his power in an extra 280 plate appearances. Now, he does not play good defense, but he is not Kyle Schwarber in left field. He He's not, he's not as bad as, as that. So we were able to live with Kyle Schwarber out in left field, for for half a season and I know we're all happy that he's going to be the the DH at this point but sort of if Soler is can can continue that kind of improvement or just maintain that improvement that he made uh last year that would absolutely be a guy that you could plug and play in left field and then you can just kind of make a decision on Johan Rojas down the road a little bit you wouldn't need to to wouldn't be relying on him to have to show you he can hit in spring training, which again, just scares me a little bit. I like Johan Rojas. I just don't love that being the plan. But again, you don't necessarily need to go into every season with every position locked down. Sometimes it's okay to be a little bit flexible roster-wise and go into the season thinking, you know, you can have one of your in-house guys take that spot. But that all being said, I'm talking myself into Jorge Soler because he would give you that power bat that you've missed since Reese Hoskins went out. It would give you another right-handed power bat too, which I think the Phillies really need. Trey Turner, I don't. He's not a power bat. At least he's not supposed to be a power bat. Um, Nick Castellanos, one really bad year with the Phillies, one pretty good year last year. Streaky, still very streaky. But Nick Castellanos is a net positive on this team, and. But, you know, you feel a little nervous with him, like in the five hole. JT Realmuto is not a power bat anymore. And Alec Bohm is not a power bat anymore from the right-hand side. There never has been. So Jorge Soler, you could plug into that number four spot in the batting order and just forget about it and not worry about it because he is going to be that right-handed power bat. So, yeah, I'm talking myself into Jorge Soler uh, being a late addition for this team if a multi-year deal doesn't come his way. And it really should. He should get a multi-year deal. But if it doesn't come his way and he wants to go play for the team that knocked his team out of the playoffs last year in that environment at Citizens Bank Park, who wouldn't want to come play for Philadelphia? You can get him on like a one-year, $10 million deal, $8 million deal, something like that. You know, I, I think the Phillies would absolutely do that. And beware... I, in my heart, beware a quiet Dave Dombrowski. I wrote a piece for The Good Fight this week about this. Remember how he went after Nick Castellanos very, very late in the spring when he saw an opportunity cost there, when he saw Nick Castellanos was still hanging out there. He's like, let me, let me, maybe we can go get this guy. I don't know what's going on with his market. Maybe his market isn't what he thought it was. Let's reach out. Let's see if he's willing to come to Philadelphia. Now, I think signing that late in the offseason negatively affected Nick Castellanos. It's one of the reasons why he had a lost year. So there are downsides to waiting a really long time, waiting until spring training starts to sign somebody because they do get a late start in the spring. It is 
a life upheaval that they can sometimes carry into the regular season. I don't love the idea of doing that, but right now, if if you're just kind of waiting on an information game and you want to see what everybody has, you want to. I mean, I'm sure, I know Johan Rojas is working out. I'm sure they're getting reports on him uh, as far as what he looks like, and you know whether they're encouraged or not. Nobody really knows, but they are still entering. It does look as if Jason Stark is right that the there there's not going to be a big move coming. Uh, that it's not going to happen this offseason. Sometimes Howard Eskin gets these things right. Sometimes Howard Eskin is led astray and, and they doesn't nail these things. So, um, yeah, I think Dave Dombrowski, I think there's a I think there's a chance. I'd say it's probably about a 20 percent chance that he that he signs somebody late or he trades for somebody late seeing an opportunity cost. But the odds are more likely uh, that he won't do that. Um, I, I tend to take what Jason Stark says at, at face value. Uh, he has more connections, certainly, than I do uh, by a lot. Uh, last thing I'll go over here before we wrap up. We'll make this a, a quickie podcast. And again, I think what we saw online on Wednesday was the leaking of the Phillies City Connect jerseys. And it elicited a strong re- response online. Uh, I so here's the deal with the with the City Connect jerseys. And again, this was re- this was posted by uh, somebody on Twitter at Gotagoto underscore M O S. And then um, uh, the guys over at UniWatch did a post on it as well. Um, and I wrote something up for the Good Fight about it too. Somebody on eBay bought or is selling. What appears to be a legit Phillies City Connect jersey. It's got all the patches. It's got all of the labels. It's got everything you could possibly want. It looks. It absolutely looks legit, and it's going with the blue and the yellow. It's mostly blue. I actually kind of dig the color, but it's you know I'm sure you've seen it by now. But that light blue morphing into the dark blue looks kind of weird. But what I really don't like about it, I, I mean I like most. I like the color scheme. The color scheme's fine. It's the script, the way they write Philly across the front. They don't say Philadelphia or Phillies. They say Philly, which I could live with. I mean, it's not that big a deal. But the script doesn't look like anything imaginable. It just it looks like Freddy Krueger used one of his scissor fingers to scratch the word Philly across a shirt. And there doesn't seem to be any connection to the city city there's a patch on the sleeve that says love with the Liberty Bell on it that's obviously the love statue but I you know it's and you can't have cheesesteaks plastered all over it I get that you can't have like Billy Penn um, plaster all, all over it or whatever that but you know it's uh, I don't want to kill the thing before we see the hat and we see the pants and everything else and I we I don't also we knew that whenever the City Connect jersey came out that everybody was going to hate it. And it was a foregone conclusion. Even if it looked amazing, everybody was going to hate it. But everybody hates this thing. Uh, The vast majority of people who've seen it hate it. I don't really care for it. Um, I think it'll be... I think we'll get a better idea when we see that... We'll see a player wearing it while also wearing a hat and wearing the pants and seeing what other kind of accessories go along with it. But I, I guess I was... I don't know what I was expecting... Um, I was expecting blue and yellow because they were talking about wanting it to mirror the city's flag, and I think that's fine. Uh, Philadelphia sports teams have tried to incorporate the blue and the yellow before to varying degrees of success. I, I haven't liked most of the uniforms that they've that that have come out with the blue and the yellow, um, but the, it, it could work. 
we need to see a little bit more. I, I, I don't want to be one of those bandwagon folks who just want to rip it. for the, But my first impression was I didn't like it. I looked at it and just said I didn't like it. I didn't like the the Philly scribbled over the front of the the front of the jersey. I thought it looked I thought it looked weird. I didn't think it looked like anything that would make me re, that would remind me of the Phillies. It, it looked like the font that you would use if you're advertising a horror movie. Um, so you know, I just it's it's. I feel like they could have done something different. I don't know what, but again, it's a thankless job trying to come up with a design for a city connect Jersey, because you know, as you make it, people are going to hate it. And just there's, there's very few of these city connect jerseys that, that really sing. The best one is the nationals Jersey. That's gray with the, with the, the, the pink cherry blossoms, um, all, all over it. Those are just, those are amazing. And, Amazingly enough, Washington said they're going to do away with those jerseys after this year. They're going, they're going to go away forever, which is uh, really smart. Take this jersey that one of the few things the Nationals have done that everybody universally loves. Yeah, let's get rid of that. If everybody likes it, we we can't have that laying around. We that that'd be a that would be a nightmare scenario. So, just kind of blockhead decision there by by the Nationals and and their uh, and their front office. So anyway, the new City Connect jerseys, it looks like they've been linked. We don't know that for sure, but uh, we'll be keeping an eye out to see if and when there's confirmation on the Phillies City Connect jersey. And maybe it's a little leak to get fan reaction so that they can tweak it or do something different to it. That's next level thinking. And I don't know that we the I don't know that the folks at Nike have thought that far ahead. Probably not, but We'll wait and see what it what it ends up looking like for for reels once they once they make the uh, announcement official. All right, everybody. Like I said, it's going to be a short podcast here. That's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. There's just not much Phil stuff going on right now, but uh, make sure that you check out the Good Fight because we are getting some good stuff up there. We're getting a little creative with our material, and that's what we're trying to do here on the podcasts as well. And it really is just a couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers report to spring training, so uh, we're getting you revved up. We're getting you ready for it. Um, really looking forward to another season of Phillies baseball and seeing the boys in Clearwater. Some of those guys, I think, are actually starting to matriculate their way over there right now uh so we're gonna start getting some more videos and photos of phillies players down in clearwater getting ready for an all-important 2024 season as this team tries to get back to the world series thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on hidden season